This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Billy Umbody. With me, Shay Dixon, Sonny Ship, as LSU hits its open date. Uh, we are going to recap really the start to this season, how LSU's pacing offensively and defensively, and just as a team in general. Look at some of the injuries that we'll have to keep an eye on uh, on in this uh, kind of second half of the season as it gets going, or, or back two quarters of the, of the season as it gets going, uh, and just run down a whole bevy of topics as uh, we get going on open week here. For LSU, Shay, Sonny, uh, let's start with Shay. How we doing? Are you feeling better? Um, I missed you in Nashville. I'm feeling better. I got my about four days rest there, uh, battling an illness, and uh, I'm back. I'm I'm off the injury list. We'll talk about other injuries in the pod, but feeling good. Bye week came at a, at a good time. We can settle into a groove here, and uh, look, no complaints. I know that uh, people out there are a little salty on the defense, but 4-0, uh, we'll touch on everything. But uh, I'm feeling good, and I'm feeling good about this football team. It's been impressive. Sonny, how you feeling? Good, man. 4-0, ready to roll. Ready to roll into this bye week. Get to actually enjoy a little bit of uh, football on Saturday to where you can just wait for Wait for upsets to happen so you can pick which board you want to go to and follow the melt and, and just know that uh, it's not going to be one of yours. Shady's is closed. Uh, Bogey's is closed. All the bars in Baton Rouge seem to be closing down, so I don't think we're going to have to worry about too many arrests or anything over this over this bye week. So should be pretty easy, man. Well, that would be good. Uh, no rest is always a, a big positive. I made it out of Nashville without being rested myself. So that uh, was a good start to my open date. Had a great time in Nashville. Um, got to see a couple subscribers while we were there. And uh, LSU came out with a uh, historic win, 66-38, as Joe Burrow sets the single-game touchdown passing record uh, for the Tigers. The defense had its moments at, at times and, and gave up uh, – uh, gave up 24 points uh, there um, against the Commodores. But look, uh, we don't need to sit here and rehash uh, that game against uh, Vanderbilt. I think I want to jump in really to kind of looking back on these first four games and, and where things stand with LSU. And for me, Shay, um, I want to jump in with our biggest kind of takeaways of the, of the year so far. Uh, what is it for you? I, I, I have a feeling I know what it's going to be, um, but uh, nevertheless, lead off with uh, the obvious answer. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take it and let you all talk about other stuff. I mean, it's the offense and obviously specifically the passing game. It's been it's been so impressive to me, not just the raw numbers. I mean, obviously, uh, we are not used to seeing LSU football perform at the level they are right now when it comes to throwing the football, being as efficient as they are, 
leading the country in all these different stat categories. I mean, you look at what Burrow uh, has been able to do with his start. He's now been, what, went from 200 to one odds. Uh, shout out to MSP on the board who had Brad Crawford write an article interviewing him about his Heisman ticket. But uh, to go all the way up from off the board or 201 odds, basically, uh, to being in the number two spot behind Tua uh, in the Heisman race, what, four of the of the 12, 12 games into the season uh, is super impressive. Number one scoring offense in the country, 58 points a game. You look at the jump that they've made from two years ago, 27 points a game. Last year, Insminger takes over. They're into the 30s. Now they're nearly touching 60 points a game uh, after this, what, four-game start. So it's been unbelievable to watch, but I think maybe what has stood out to me the most, and it's not just that they're throwing for 400 yards a game, which is behind only Washington State and Mike Leach. Uh, it's not just that Burrow's been uh, the number one uh, in the country for completion percentage at, at above 80%, now sitting at 81%, uh, which is ahead of Jalen Hurts, who's only played in three games. But I think it's been how clean it's looked. It's been a tempo offense where the offensive line has kept up to pace and played really well and blocked well for them, but aren't making a bunch of mental errors. Uh, and any kind of early season mental errors we saw there, guys, they've kind of cleaned up. And and maybe one thing that jumps out most, because now that we're four games in, it's so easy to forget about what a year ago was like, is Burrow is still growing as a quarterback, but so are these receivers. And they were dropping balls. There were games where Justin Jefferson would drop multiple balls, where Chase would drop balls, where a um, number of guys uh, you know would get into the game and, and drop key passes that uh, would kind of put them behind the chains or in drives for them. And we haven't seen that at all this year. I thought Texas was that one game where it seemed everything that they threw downfield was being caught uh, and obviously paid off in the end. They win. Uh, but it's carried on through. I've been really imp- impressed with Chase and Marshall and Jefferson. And, you know, the list can go on into Thaddeus Moss and some other guys. Race McMath got involved. Uh, we'll see more of him. But I really think that the starting three receivers, the O-line, um, Clyde edwards Elair, and Burrow, just seem to be all on the same page. It's just incredibly impressive how seamless things have looked for an offense that has completely changed its identity, certainly from what it was, you know, more than two years ago. But through the back end of last season, let's say after the Bama game until now, they've just been lights out and it's been impressive to watch. Yeah. And Sonny, I, I, I think uh, we can go on and on about Burrow and the passing game and the wide receivers and, and all of that. Um, but, but he, he's got to have the big uglies up front stepping up for him and, and giving him time to throw and giving him, you know, the running game had a really strong game against Vanderbilt uh, with Clyde Edwards, Elair, and uh, you know breaking through, through for some long runs, and John Emery having some success. Uh, the the offensive line a huge question mark going into the year, but they they really stepped up. Yeah, that was the biggest weakness in enter, entering the season. Is everyone expected the LSU offense to be better? I don't think anyone expected it to be as efficient and ex- as explosive as it is right now. But we all felt that it ha- that it it all started up front. And I think when you consider Sadiq Charles has missed, has missed uh, two games at left tackle. You had a redshirt freshman, Dare Rosenthal, um, in the lineup. You had Badara Traore, the junior college transfer, who played sparingly last year. And then you had a new left guard at a, in Adrian McGee, who, who, had some early, who had some early game struggles. But I think he's really starting to kind of play uh, – 
you know, stepping up to where he's becoming a, a lot more reliable. Of course, you've got Cushenberry in the middle, one of the top centers in the SEC. However, he hasn't exactly played um, consistently like one of the top centers in the SEC. So when you when you lump all of those things in, you know, it's um, I have to give some kudos to James Craig and really have to throw some kudos towards Austin Deculus's way um, at right tackle. I think he's really played. Uh, I think he's really played well, considering that most can most looked at him as the biggest weak, uh, weak link. Um, you know, on the offensive line, uh, you know, when there was hope that Ed Ingram was going to be cleared in time to be able to start the season. Now that Ed Ingram has been cleared, you know, now you start looking at and you start saying, okay, where does he slide in at? Adrian McGee has made a case the last couple of games to where it's not going to be as easy for Ingram to bump him to the side. Damian Lewis, on the other hand, after a, uh, a, re- a really stellar season last year, I think he's had some struggles this year. So it's going to be interesting to see what James Craig and Ed Orgeron do on that offensive line to to build a little more cohesion, to to get the, the best five offensive linemen on the field at the same time and once they can once they can do that i think that that's really going to uh that that's really going to elevate the run game and make the run game um you know probably look a look a lot more like you saw against vanderbilt than what you've seen the first three games yeah and i think they're they're continuing to mesh it'll be interesting to see what happens when they get ed ingram back where does he go where does he fit in because I, I think he's just too good to you know be on the sidelines and um, you know the, he's certainly a big boost uh, if he is in fact as as kind of I think football shape ready um, but for me the biggest takeaway on the year so far is has been the secondary and um, they they need to be much more I think effective in terms of making plays uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit later but they have just not been generating the turnovers that they had. Uh, last year, and they're certainly not uh, playing their best football, especially at the safety position with Grant Delpit and Jacoby Stevens. Now that Todd Harris is out for the season, Kerry Vincent has had his moments as well where he's been um, targeted and abused by opposing offenses. Derek Stingley Jr. has been excellent. Um, He kind of had a rough go a little bit, I think, uh, against Vanderbilt and then rebounded late to get his first interception of his career. Um, and then Christian Fulton's been strong on the other side, but has also been picked on at times too. And I, I think at, at times now opposing offenses, and, and this is just kind of in college football, it, it's just kind of the norm where you just kind of have to accept that they're going to be able to, to beat you with athletes and take advantage of certain matchups that kind of make you look bad as a defense. Um, and, and I don't necessarily think the secondary is, is uh, horrible by any means or anything like that, but, I think in terms of true playmaking, they have to get back to that level that they were at last year because they were so effective. Grant Delpit was was you know making his case for you know, you know the the Nagurski and all of those postseason awards that he ended up being up for um, and being a unanimous All American and and all of that. And this year they're just not doing that as much. So um, I, I just I got to see more out of the secondary this this year. It's been kind of an adventure, and I I know there's been. Problems getting pressure up front, um, but LSU, you know, defensive backs are used to being 
out on an island. This year, they're kind of playing more zone. It's just kind of weird the way the secondary has worked out this year, and that's kind of been my my main takeaway. And um, we'll see kind of how they get their their house in order with the with the open date and and then moving forward into the the, the teeth of the SEC schedule. Um, but on the other side of things, things are trending up for a few players. Um, one, Derek Stingley, Shea, you're going to talk about him and, and kind of how he's your, your stock up guy poised to really have a, a strong second half of the year. Yeah. I mean, I'm going Stingley stock up. You talk about issues on defense in the secondary and um, him and Clyde Lipscomb had a really great battle and, and Lipscomb made a couple of plays, but Stingley got his first interception. Um, but you look right now, he leads the nation in passes defended. So in passes broken up, uh, he's better than anyone else that's out there right now. Uh, actually, Amik Robertson out of La Tech, who a lot of fans know from when he was recruited as number two on the list. But to see Stingley make this jump from high school at Dunham, which was playing lower level ball that he absolutely dominated, to coming into LSU, picks off a pass in the spring game right out of the gate. We heard all the talk over the summer about how good he looked. Five-star, highest-ranked cornerback in the history of 24-7 sports. He's got all of this sort of, I guess you could say pressure, but he's got all of this kind of expectations put onto him. And Dave Aranda said this summer, look, I haven't been around a kid who has that sort of pressure and expectation and then can go on the field and it doesn't matter at all. He's so locked in. He gets it. He understands he was from a football family. The moment is never too big for him. And I think it showed through four games. I mean, look what he did against Texas with Colin Johnson and others. They eventually decided that they were just going to try to throw on Fulton because, and that's an all American corner who's going to probably be drafted in the first or second round. They went after him all game because they didn't think that they could get anything done on Stingley after seeing what he was able to do to, you know, really across the first half of that game. And then we see him against Vanderbilt. I love the Lipscomb matchup. I thought he played well. I think he's going to return, you know, have a big one in the punt return game eventually. But even then, he doesn't make any mistakes in, on punt returns. He knows when to catch it. He knows when to let it go. When he catches it, he can always make a move and make a guy or two miss. But I think it can be argued right now, guys, that there is not a cornerback in the country, production-wise certainly, who's playing better than Derek Stingley. And he just turned 18 years old. He's a true freshman. He's played four games. He arguably might be, I could name a couple of other guys, which y'all will probably touch on, but might be the best player on the defense right now. The expectations we all had for him, I think it's almost like the offense. They've surpassed it. He's already playing better than I anticipated he would. Patrick Peterson didn't even start until about this time his freshman year. Stingley's already got these games under his belt. I'm super impressed. I can't believe they've got full three years, three full years of him at the least, obviously. Um, but it might be at the most. And I think he's going to be really one of those guys who goes down in history as one of the best players to ever play at LSU. Well said, Shay. And, and, and look, I mean, it, it's tough to disagree with that. And, and um, he's, been, he's been incredible. He's just such a game changer. And, and uh, it, it's only going to get better. And, and he's going to have quite the stage in SEC play to, to kind of raise his stock even higher. Sonny, somebody who's been relied upon probably just as much in terms of being a critical piece to this defense is Tyler Shelvin. They've been playing that three, three man front um, with a true nose tackle this year with Tyler Shelvin, with all the injuries on the defensive line, he's been critical and, and looks to be trending up as well. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm sticking with the buffet boys when it comes to stock up, you know, you look at, uh, you look at Shelvin and 
you consider that Rashard Lawrence and Glenn Logan, the other two starters, uh, how long they've been out, who would have thought that Tyler Shelvin with the conditioning issues that he had, you know, dating back to his, his junior and senior year of high school, then when he got to LSU north of 390 pounds, who would, who would have thought that he would be play, giving you 50 snaps a game and, and be playing the way that he is right now? You go back to that Vanderbilt game, you look at the first drive, Joe Evans started at nose tackle. Justin Thomas started at the end spot opposite of Braden Fajoko. And Vanderbilt just went, just moved the ball up the field easily. Obviously, Patrick Queen taking the wrong gap on the, on the big play by Kashawn Bond. You know, that, that was a, a play that really hurt them. But once you put Tyler Shelvin, and I'm going to throw some, uh, some kudos towards Neil Farrell too. Once you put those two guys in, the LSU defense, it was completely different. LSU started getting a push. They, uh, they started owning the line of scrimmage. And I, I'm just, I've just been really impressed with not, not the production that Shelvin has put up, but when you go back and when you look at the issues that he had since he got to LSU, I mean, you're talking about a 346 pounder, you know, who's probably three, you know, probably 350 after he gets done eating breakfast or lunch before the game, making tackles six, seven, eight yards downfield. Granted, you don't want your nose tackle making tackles downfield like that, but if if someone doesn't make a tackle and he's making up for it, I mean that's just impressive for me. He's been able to get a push as far as getting some pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And I think once you get once you get a healthy Rashard Lawrence and a healthy Glenn Logan flanking Tyler Shelvin, it's just gonna open things up for those two guys because he commands a double team with the way that he's been playing now. He he commands a double team. He commands a double team from his size for, for uh, with his ma- mammoth size, but the way that he's moving laterally and side to side, you can't just put one man on him because his quickness is allowing him to get past uh, just a center. So. Really, really been impressed with him. And then the same goes with Neil Farrell. Um, you know, I think that if Ica, if Siaki Ica, they can get him healthy, LSU's got as good a, LSU will have as good of a two deep with Farrell, Fajoko, Lawrence, Logan, Ica, and Shelvin as they've had in several years. And that, that's a great point on, on just kind of what that front looks like once it's healthy as well. Because that's going to be the key, and, and they haven't been healthy this this fall, and I think it's certainly impacted the way the defense has played and and produced. But once you get them healthy, if that can happen, they they really really have a chance to to rotate, be really impressive. Um, but look, one side of the ball that isn't rotating really much at all uh, until late in the game when they get some of the backups in is the wide receiving position. And uh, for me, my stock up guy from the first half of the year that is, that is kind of poised to do even bigger things now that Terrace Marshall's been sidelined is Jamar Chase. I mean, what a what a game uh, for the former five star on twenty four seven Sports uh, at Vanderbilt. Ten receptions, two hundred twenty nine yards. And the thing about it is, is, is they took him out. He probably could have seen way more than that. Um, he was just dominant um, on Saturday, and it was. I think the biggest thing for me, too, is is just how easy everything looks for this offense in terms of the passing game. It looks so crisp. And, and look, I visited with, with Will Wade um, for his preseason media availability on Monday, and he even noticed it, just kind of the precision, how sharp they are, um, and, and, and just are 
you know, picking apart opposing defenses is just really, really uh, impressive. Um, uh, on the on the flip side of things, uh, guys, uh, let's start with Sonny. I mean, it, there's there's some players that need to step up um, on the back half of this season, and and I, I think uh, once again you're you're staying with the with the meat over there. Yeah, Damian Lewis is, has has kind of surprised me. He was a guy that uh, you know stepped into the starting lineup last year when Ed Ingram was suspended and, and had a really solid season, a really good season. Uh, there was even some talk that that he was entertaining the thought of uh, leaving early to test the NFL waters. Uh, he opted to come back and 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 I'm probably I'm probably putting more more of an emphasis on the Vanderbilt game when I when I when I say this, but he uh he he really struggled against Vandy and uh with you know being with starting 13 games like he did last year, you just would expect a little more consistency from him to start the season. I don't know if you can re- remember or not, but back when fall camp started and we and I went back and I compared the weights from last year to this year. Um, I, I want to say he was up about somewhere between nine and 13 pounds from where he was last year. And I don't think that is really, I don't think that you can look at that and you can say that that's a good sign when you already have a 330 pounder at guard who was really good at getting to the second level last year. And I think that extra weight that he's carrying is, uh, is affecting his game a little bit. And, that's going to be the, uh, you know, I guess the conundrum facing Ed Orgeron is what do they do now? Because now, you know, three games ago, everyone looked at Adrian McGee and they said, okay, wow, you know, once you get Ed Ingram back, he's just going to slide into that spot. Adrian McGee is going to go back to being a reserve swing man who could play some tackle, who could play some guard. Now I think when you go back and when you look at it, over this bye week and then of course the week leading up to Utah State I think they have a real decision to make they have to look at it and and that it's not going to be nearly as easy of a decision as everyone thought it was going to be um, you know I'm not saying that 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 Adrian McGee is going to supplant Damian Lewis once Ed Ingram does enter the starting lineup which is only a matter of time but I do think now all of a sudden it's a lot it's a lot tougher of a decision than it was before. And, uh, you know, with the play that Adrian McGee made against Vandy, uh, you know, when he just pancaked that guy, I mean that, you know, take that, even take that out of the equation. I think his game has, has continued to get a little bit better each week. And so, uh, you know, just thank goodness that you do have Ed Ingram coming back. Because you go back and and now if you look at the offensive line at guys who have had significant snaps, you've got Rosenthal, Traore, Charles, and Deculus all at tackle. You have four offensive tackles who have gotten some who have gotten some you know some serious reps. You have Cushenberry, you have Chasen Hines, Adrian McGee, Damian Lewis, Ed Ingram, a true freshman who started twelve. 12 games as a true freshman in 2017. And so now all of a sudden you start to look, you're like, wow, you know, LSU's got a pretty solid two deep right now up front. And just last year when we, you know, when, when you were looking at all the injuries and all the mismatch and they had to do against the offensive line, Donovan Campbell, a guy who we haven't talked about a lot this year, 
but who did win me a hundred dollars in my bet with Shay is a guy who doesn't even get mentioned anymore. You know, you don't even hear his name really come up. And so I, I, I think that really speaks to the depth that they're kind of building along that offensive line to where you're going to have some injuries. You know, you're going to have injuries in October. You're going to have injuries in November. And when you do have some of those injuries, you're not throwing in a guy who hasn't gotten some, you know, some significant SEC reps on the road. And, and so I think that's just going to be big things for him. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, uh, on the defensive side of the ball is where I think LSU needs guys to step up even more. Um, Shea, um, we, I talked about the secondary a little bit, and, and one player that hasn't looked like himself has been, has been Grant Delpit. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and not Delpit. I think he's one of the best players in the country. I think he's going to be a first-round pick. I don't think he's played himself out of that. But there's been a clear drop-off in, well, let's just sit for facts. There's a drop-off in production a year ago. Um, he was one of LSU's certainly best defensive players. He was averaging about six tackles a game. Right now, he's right at about four tackles a game. So you're already taking a step backwards there when you would assume he would probably take a step forward. Last year, he leads LSU in interceptions with five. He's got none so far through four games. Uh, obviously, they just got their first interceptions of the year with Jacoby Stevens uh, and Derek Stingley uh, in the Vanderbilt game. But there's also been, it seems this theme on the defense right now is they have some issues tackling. And I don't think Delphit has been uh, someone who's been immune to that. You know, I think that we haven't seen him wrap up a bunch. He's gone for some big hits that um, just isn't characteristics of what we've been used to seeing from him. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know if we call it stock down or if we call it, he just needs to turn the, his game up a bit. Um, but I think that it's evident that the Delphit we saw a year ago is not the Delphit we've seen through four games. And that doesn't mean he's not that player. I just think that he's got to have something click for him to realize that he is one of the most, not, not just defense, he's one of the most important players on this team. And if your offense looks like it does, your defense needs to step up, certainly down the back, you know, final eight games and however many more there might be. Uh, and a lot of that, I think, in my opinion, um, with no Devin White, with a lot of these starters in and out, look, Chason, Lawrence, Logan, Divinity, all these guys have been out. Delpit's not been out. He should be someone that we're talking about every game that hasn't been the case. So I think that the bye week, reset your mind, come out, Utah State, and moving into the heart of SEC play, I want to see Delpit as a guy that really kind of elevates his game because I think he, I don't think, I know he's talented enough. I know he is the best, I think he's the best safety in the country. I think he'll be the first safety drafted, but I think that in terms of what LSU wants to do here, finish this business first, obviously it's he wants to win a national championship. He wants to win an SEC championship. And if, if LSU is going to do that, I think they need Grant Delpit playing really well. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and for me, I think a player that is, is the expectations were so high going into the season because there, was, there wasn't really a discussion either with, with him in terms of his spot was Michael Divinity. And now he's been moved back outside. He's now hurt. When he comes back, he's got to bring a pass rush element to this defense that it, it, it can't just be Caleb on Chasson when he's healthy trying to rush the passer. They've got to have Michael Divinity bring something to the table as far as a pass rush goes. So I'm looking forward to Michael Divinity kind of stepping into his role that he was so good at last year in 2018 and bringing some pressure because that's what this defense is missing, in my opinion. That's why. At, at times, the secondary can look suspect is because they're not getting much of a pass rush. And that's 
you know, forcing the guys to have to stay in coverage longer or, or, or what have you. But um, Michael Divinity's got to bring more off the edge, and, and that'll complement Caleb on Chasson when he's back healthy as well. Um, he's got to get healthy first, but they, they need Michael Divinity to be the man um, opposite of Kalon Chasson when he's back and healthy. So with that, guys, uh, that'll put a wrap on the first half of this podcast um, as we are uh, going to look ahead now to the season, kind of tee things up. Where do things stand with injuries? We'll look at kind of the most surprising stats uh, through the first four games and how they need to continue or change uh, the way those are headed. And then we'll revisit our season predictions. Where do we see LSU finishing up the 2019 season? We'll have all that and more after this quick break from the Go 24-7 podcast. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, leave us a rating, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. We might just shout you out on Twitter. Uh, if you saw some of the reviews we threw up on uh, our uh, Go 24-7 Twitter, uh, appreciate you guys leaving those reviews for us. Uh, some some big news on the first half of the season has been injuries. And Ed Ogeron was on with our buddies over at 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge on Tuesday morning, updating some of them. Shay, uh, you were on that uh, story pretty quickly there. Uh, the main one for me, Terrace Marshall, uh, what's the latest on uh, Marshall's injury? Yeah, uh, Orgeron was on off the bench with T-Bob and Jordy uh, on Tuesday morning, and he talked about um, really a number of things, but, you know, touched on the injuries and Divinity and and Terrace Marshall, obviously the biggest ones. Uh, With Divinity, it sounds better than we anticipated. He said that uh, obviously left the Vanderbilt game, was on crutches after the game, um, but his exact quote, he's going to be okay. It might be a couple of weeks. It's not as bad as it looked on the field. Um, So that's good. They're at a bye week. You've got Utah State, then Florida. So the fact that he's going to be back in what Orgeron says is a couple of weeks could put him back for Florida, um, but certainly back for that stretch of Florida, Mississippi State, Auburn, bye week Bama. Uh, they're confident he's going to be back um, in kind of that mix. So that's good news. But uh, here's his quote on Marshall, who we saw in a boot after the game. Uh, obviously, we had him taken care of right away on Sunday morning. That meant surgery, which he had uh, on his foot on Sunday morning, which was you know not even 24 hours after they got done playing. And then he said, I think he's going to come back a little quicker from the injury than most people because of the work Jack Marucci and the staff do. They're phenomenal. But this quote stood out. I do believe you're going to see him again this year. I don't know when, but hopefully we'll get him back towards the latter part of the season. The latter part of the season, as Orgeron describes it to me, would mean November. Bama and the game, three games that follow. Obviously, you would love to have him back for Bama, but um, I think this one, guys, stings because – He's been so productive. He's been amazing out of the gate. And to have three guys at receiver you can rely on with him and Chase and Jefferson, 
um, has been evident of what that can translate to. So we'll see which other guys step up. Obviously, Race McMath is going to get a chance. Stephon Sullivan will be more involved. But uh, I do think that um, kind of looking at knowing that you're getting a bunch of defensive guys back and Divinity is now going to be in that mix, it seems to me that the big injury we're going to be watching through the month of October is going to be Marshall. Yeah, and I think so. And when you go back and, you know, I, I spoke to someone who is uh, who's close to someone in, in Marshall's family, and, and he kind of tipped us off on Saturday afternoon of what, the de- of what the deal was as far as the toe and what was going to be uh, required from it. And uh, he was dead on. And so when he says that, when he tells me that optim- you know, an optimistic outlook is – to hopeful to hopefully have him back for Auburn, I think probably a more realistic outlook, being on the safer side, would be Alabama two weeks later because they get Auburn, then they have the bye week, and then they have Bama. And so, if you can obviously, I don't think that there's going to be a whole lot of Marshall. Um, not being in sync with Joe Burrow with as much work as they put in over the over the summer and into fall camp. I think that Marshall is going to be able to slide right in there pretty good. And um, you know, the question, you know, the question that a lot of people have is who's going to step up in Marshall's absence? And I think Racy McMath showed that he's more than capable of making plays uh in this offense and i think he's the guy who's you who you're going to see a lot more of and you're going to hear a lot more of over these coming weeks yeah and, and for me i mean they need to um they need to get marshall back for the alabama game most importantly I, I think um that would be such a boost to this offense and and they can then um really kind of be back in their groove because it's i, I don't think it's out of the realm of expectations for them to kind of drop off without Marshall. I mean, having those three guys out there is just such a difference um, in terms of just skill and, and not to take anything away from guys like Racy McMath or some of the others. But um, I mean, Terrace was just on such an impressive start to the season um, and so efficient and, and him and bro were really connecting well. And, and, and so it's a shame for him to get hurt like that, but um, they will uh, certainly have guys that can step up in uh, his place. Uh, and, Look, I mean, one, one thing that, that Marshall brought was a big body in the red zone, and, and LSU's been one of the best. Uh, they've been the best in, in the NCAA in terms of red zone efficiency, Shay. That's uh, your your surprising stat of the year, right? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that's been one thing you have to look at because going, what, 27 for 27, I think that's what they are. I, I think I deleted the stat page. But they're perfect on the year. Every trip that they've made, uh, they've scored on. But – uh, we talked about this even before the podcast and, and Sonny pointed it out when you're hitting at 81% on touchdowns, 22 touchdowns on the trips, that's number one in the country right now. So not only are they number one in red zone efficiency at hundred percent, but they're also number one in scoring touchdowns when they get to the red zone, which is the more important stat probably. So uh, yeah, I think that's been uber impressive. They had improved last year on the stat from where they had been in the Matt Canada years. And prior to that, obviously, but, the jump we've seen even from then to now, especially improving on touchdowns, I think is, is a big deal. And, and look, it's not like they get down there and, and run the ball a bunch. And, and they do I think they have 11 rushing touchdowns on the year. A handful came in the red zone, but to have 22 touchdowns and be mixing in the past, like they are down there to me is just jumped off the page. And that's the kind they haven't been, I'm lying. I was about to say they haven't been in a close game, Texas, but 
when they get into SEC play, they're going to be in some close games. And if you're hitting at that kind of clip in the red zone, you're going to win those games. For me, it's 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 Joe Burrow, but from a different from a different angle than it seems like everyone else is is talking about with him. You know, after four games last year, he was hitting forty eight point six percent of his passes. Granted, those were the first four starts of his of his college career and a new offense didn't have a lot of time to really mesh and gel with his receivers with all of the guys surrounding him but this year he is at 80.6 percent after four games so you're talking about an increase of 32 percent of a passing clip billy i i know that that has to impress you a former you know former high school former smu quarterback uh, to be able to make that kind of jump, you know, you got to give credit to Joe Brady. You got to give credit to Steve Insminger, but you got to give a ton of credit to Joe Burrow for the work that he's put in from a uh, from a fundamental standpoint, from a technique standpoint, and just from a uh, a sweat equity standpoint. Yeah, that uh, jumping completion percentage is kind of like uh, mild coaches' offenses back in the day. June Jones with Colt Brennan and Timmy Chang. All those guys, he is uh, just ripping it up right now. And and one thing he's not doing is is really turning the ball over. Um, they've been excellent um, in, in kind of taking care of the ball outside of, um, you know, Clyde edwards Elaire's fumble. And I think the big thing for me, and this is where LSU, when you talk about having to go on the road against Alabama, and I'm kind of looking ahead and, and, and looking past Florida, looking past Auburn and games like that, but when – you got when you go on the road and you have that type of game coming down the pipeline, you have to be able to win the turnover margin. And right now, LSU is zero at the turnover margin. They were plus three in 2017, took a big jump in 2018 to plus eight. But this year, they're just not getting that production on the turnovers. And it's kind of funny. We joke about Derek Stingley having some shots at his first pick, uh, interceptions on the year and having them, you know, like the one against Texas kind of go the other way in the review and, and just being close on others. And, um, but look, LSU has to turn, uh, force more turnovers, uh, continue to take better care of the ball. I mean, miles Brennan throws a pick six when he's in there and the fumble leads to a touchdown for Vanderbilt, uh, last game. So they've got to play a little cleaner, but defensively, I, I just don't see them right now playing with that same, just, you know, cause havoc, create turnovers mentality. And that's why they're even on the turnover margin this year. For them to go on the road and to beat Alabama and accomplish the, the things that they have in front of them and, and they want to accomplish, they've got to become a team that forces more turnovers than they than they you know, give up. And, and right now that's not ha- happening. And uh, it's been a big difference because that's something that Ed Ogeron has really um, uh, hung on to uh, as he's been the head coach at LSU. And uh, that's forcing turnovers, winning the turnover battle. Um, playing clean, you know, without penalties and things like that. So um, that'll be something I'm watching, and I'm sure they're going to be working on uh, in the open date is forcing more turnovers um, because if they are going to go into undefeated, uh, that'll be a big key. Right now, uh, or heading into the year, I had them at 11-1 and one with a loss to Alabama. I'm feeling the same. I can, I think with this offense, I can certainly see a win over Alabama a lot more than I could have you would have asked me in the preseason as we were waiting for this offense to be unveiled. But overall, I mean, I think LSU is in a really good position to uh, make it to the college football playoff. I think Georgia beating Notre Dame helps them over the weekend. 
Um, and, and we'll kind of see kind of how things pan out. But right now I like LSU in the college football playoff. Um, what about you guys? Uh, let's start with uh, Sonny. What do, you, what do you think? I know you had a kind of a peculiar loss on your preseason predictions. Yeah, I had a, I had eleven and one, and you know, I, first off, I think they're I I thought that they were going to beat Alabama. I still think that they have a very good chance to go into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. Uh, lost eight in a row. I'm a you know I'm a big proponent of at some point streaks come to an end, and I think this is going to be the most uh, well equipped LSU team to go into Bryant-Denny and to come out with the win with Joe Burrow, with his poise, with his confidence. If they can get everybody healthy and get everyone back, I felt like there was a game that they were going to choke up on. I I, I could not pinpoint one. I, I couldn't label Texas A&M because of that rivalry aspect. So I went with Ole Miss. Now I don't think that's going to happen, and uh, I can honestly see this team that if it beats Alabama like I think it will – I think that it goes undefeated and uh, goes to the SEC championship game now. Yeah, for me, I'm still sitting at, I mean, what, prediction before the season was 11-1 and one with a loss to Bama. Uh, I still am, I guess I'm not budging at the moment. It's a game in Tuscaloosa for as well as LSU's played. Alabama's played, I guess you could say, almost equally as well, and uh, they've got some injuries on D. LSU has some injuries on D. They have a quarterback playing lights out. LSU has a quarterback playing lights out. They have dynamic receivers. LSU has dynamic receivers. Uh, they're trying to get their run game going. LSU's trying to get their run game going. So, so many similarities for me here. I know that they haven't won since 2011, but they'll be back in Tuscaloosa. I think that game will determine the West. Uh, it's not like a big, bold prediction, though Auburn's playing well right now. But uh, I do. I think that LSU gets through Auburn. I, I still think that that matchup in Tuscaloosa it could go either way. I had had Alabama winning before the season. A month out, I'll, I'll sit on that for now. But um, I do think that uh, this is a team that in the regular season is going to win at least 10 or 11 games. I'm still thinking 11. But, uh, boy, with as well as they've been playing, if you're throwing up 58 points a game, um, it's going to be tough to stop them. So I think that uh, if that November matchup, if, if both teams continue to play this way, that's going to be one of the game of the century type labels and finally may really earn it. So I have 11 and one, I'm not going to move off it, but it really, it doesn't have anything to do with how LSU is playing or really Bama's playing other than both are playing very well. So uh, I'm there right now and, and maybe I'll change in a couple weeks. Well, I, I, I think so. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm not ready to, to say that LSU can take down Alabama just yet. I, I want to see, how they perform against Florida, you know, is a little you know, going to be different without Felipe Franks, and um, and then we'll we'll have plenty of time to look ahead uh, to the Alabama game after that Auburn game in Tiger Stadium uh, with an open date uh, sandwiched in between those, um, and that'll be the next time we take this type of stock on the Tigers uh, in in a total podcast. So uh, we went a little long, but uh, I thought we covered a lot of ground, fellas. Uh, pretty good, pretty good podcast as as LSU. Uh, we'll have a little bit of time off. We'll have more podcasts throughout this week. Um, as coaches get on the road, we'll focus a little bit more on recruiting than we did uh, today, which was not at all. And um, we'll have plenty more coverage at go247.com. Uh, later today on, on Tuesday, if you're listening to this right away, uh, we'll have some Tiger wraps and we'll have more throughout the, throughout the week. 
Um, we'll have recruiting updates and all those things. Uh, tons of info to come at go247.com. But with that, we're going to close out this podcast, guys. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks for listening. And a quick reminder to, again, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a rating and a review. We appreciate it. Hope everybody has a great open week. And uh, keep it locked on go247.com.